I showed up. Nobody listening. Ain't nobody listening. Ain't nobody listening. Welcome to Ain't Nobody Listening. My name is Abdullah Ma'wali. In this episode, we get the pleasure of meeting the co-founders of EasyCoins, a brokerage service for clients who wish to buy or sell cryptocurrencies here in Oman. My guests, His Highness Sayyid Azan bin Qais Al Saeed and Dr. Khalid Tahan. Please bear the first three to four minutes of this interview where the audio is a bit wonky. It does get better after that. Enjoy. Um, Dr. Khalid, I'd like to ask you, where is the best place to start when you're explaining crypto and Bitcoin to people? So uh, to start, I think it's uh, it's best to start from the beginning where what problem does blockchain and crypto solve? Okay. So it starts off with uh, solving the problem, the double spend problem is the name given to it, but I'll explain what that means. So when the internet came, the internet enabled the exchange of information. Hmm. So if I normally needed to send any form of communication to someone in England, I would have had to send a letter. Okay. And there would have been the Oman Post in, as a middleman between between me and the, and the recipient. Hmm. But with the internet, I was able to start using sending data through the internet itself. I can send you information or Word documents through an email attachment. And so the data exchange was made way more simpler and that transfer was solved. But the double spend problem, which is the exchange of value, Mm -hmm. was not solved. And middlemen remained on the internet era. Why do you call it double spend problem? Because uh, if I wanted to send 10 reals to you, Yeah. Uh, and I sent it by an email, I still have a copy of the 10 reals and you've received a copy of the 10 reals. Uh-huh. So that's the double spend. Now you've doubled the supply of the 10 reals. Okay. So there's actually 20 reals now. Okay. Um, yeah. But blockchain and crypto enables the transfer of the actual 10 reals directly to you. The ownership completely moves over to you. Hmm. So without the need of a middleman, just using the technology itself, which is the network. Okay, so th- okay. that's that is to explain the blockchain. That is to explain the blockchain. Yeah, and uh, cryptocurrency is uh, I feel a misnomer because it's too broad of a definition of all these different coins and tokens. Yeah, uh, which have different purposes in life. Yeah, and can be defined. Should be really categorized based on what their actual uses are for. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of things now refer to there's tokens that are representative of the network itself such as bitcoin which is the bitcoin's token of the network itself right ethereum is the is the coin of the network itself and then you have other tokens that are issued onto those networks uh could represent a car could represent a non-fungible token like the nft world that's now happening Mm. and can represent a share of a house Uh, it could represent anything Okay. I think there's a wide variety of, of uh, physical assets that could be tokenized digitally. Precisely. Uh, and that's what that's what tokens do, yeah. uh, which is different to, uh, to coins. Yeah. But the most important component, and this is where uh, we always keep highlighting this, uh, it's all about using the technology in a situation where you, you need trust 
but don't want to have a middleman to to give you that trust because the system takes care of all of that for you exactly so that's why it's called a, a trustless system exactly because you don't have to depend on any third party yes and when yeah. you and that's why it's very important to note that public blockchains i.e. the ones that are decentralized are the are the real deal that's where innovation is going to happen that's where the new business models are coming that's where the new financial system will be built mm. it's not these private blockchains well, well pri- i guess we can get into the sure. subtleties uh, and the difference and how to identify the difference of course but you know you, you first of all we need to say this that no one here is a financial advisor right yeah, we won't be giving yeah we will not this is not financial advice everything you hear do your own research it's very important that you do your own research don't look at us later on and, and say what happened right i'm just yeah. saying like yeah. let's put this out there and we'll repeat this every once in a while if sure. you just tuned in this is not financial advice okay why do why does bitcoin matter why do i have to you get a lot of people who are like you need to at least put a 1% of your assets in bitcoin why why does it even matter what is bitcoin i mean first first of all um, not only 1% i think um, whatever somebody is uh, willing to lose that's yeah. what they should put in so so they shouldn't put in something that's uh, you know too dear to them um, to begin with in terms of the store of value of bitcoin um, it's really about the limited supply mm-hmm. and um, that's its main attraction is its limited supply and its store of value. It's 20, 21 million that it's never yes. going to change ever, no matter what. It's it's a mathematical impossibility. Yes. Yeah. So it's programmed. It's programmed. Yeah, it's programmed and cannot it cannot it cannot be changed unless they get the whole network to agree to change that, but as it's decentralized, it will be a consensus. So it's so source so it's like a democracy. should the whole network agree to change that it will change but it's not if not everyone agrees to it no it won't change so okay. it's it's sort of like a de- de- democratic system yeah i they get, that's another rabbit hole that i would love to get into a sure. little later but i think f- initially someone might be listening to this and say well, i'm not a, i'm not i'm not into crypto why do i even care like why do i why should i care about this conversation I if you don't care don't care. Um I don't think you should care. <laughs> to be honest. It's, it's similar to the people who didn't care about using the internet yeah. uh, in its earliest days. So uh with time and advancement in technology mm-hmm. um I think it will become more and more relevant for everyday use. Okay, what are some of the parallels with the internet? So um the parallels with the internet are so I I always look at the dot com bubble. Yeah. There was quite an extensive amount of the internet was hyped up. However, there were certain uh companies in the end there was a crash and there were certain companies that came out successful. And yes, mm. these companies were very very useful to be in. Mm-hmm. Um so it's very important to note that the space is facing a lot of hype. Mm-hmm. Uh you do also have a lot of scams. uh so you need to be aware of what you're getting into um any opportunity will be abused uh right just like the dot com bubble it was it's in a structured a regulated environment but yet there was a crash there was a bubble and it crashed all right okay. and um it's all about the risk management that i was mentioning er- uh, that was discussed yesterday by his high uh, earlier by his highness mm. which is 
I own stocks in a bank in Oman. Mm-hmm. I bought them during the peak in 2008, 2009, can't remember when, but I never got back their value. Okay. It's just never came back, but mm-hmm. it wasn't an issue because I went in with capital. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did my own risk management and I went in with capital that I can afford to lose. Right. And it's the same concept in anything. If you're buying a property, you should not be buying a product, property beyond your means or you can handle that risk. Mm-hmm. If you're buying stocks, if you're buying crypto, which is a high high risk asset yeah. because it's trying to become what it is. It's not there yet. Mm-hmm. So it's defined as high risk. Yeah, right now you hear like uh, assets going up uh, 10%, down 10%, and it's it's insane. Yeah. Uh, because it's, it's uh, I feel like I want to reserve that question as well later. You you did a good job in telling me why we should be, why should we should do risk management, why we should be wary, but why should I care about uh, crypto and Bitcoin particularly? Like, sell me on this. So what, what is so exciting I, I, I about wanna... this? Don't, don't sell me on the, in the investment, right? Yeah. On the technology. What is so magical about crypto and Bitcoin? So the magical part of it is basically that you now mm. can do... So if you've noticed, uh, when the internet came, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of middlemen pertaining to data exchange have been disrupted. Magazines? Do you pick up magazines right. nowadays? Very rarely. Very rarely. Yeah. Do you uh, use Oman Post other than for parcels nowadays? Rarely. Rarely. Yeah. Whilst it was a proper means of uh, exchange of data. Fair. And it's completely gone now. It's yeah. They had these, th- these middlemen were disrupted. Hmm. And we are literally talking about banks and financial institutions being disrupted. Hmm. Um, you could look at a bank as a middleman. Yeah, I mean uh, there are some you know tech CEOs out there saying that uh, cryptocurrency or Bitcoin specifically is the first time you can truly own something mm. uh, in the history of of the world. If mm-hmm. you think of it without any middleman, whether it's uh, you know fiat currency, you have a bank. Whether it's uh, a piece of land, you have an institution behind that piece of land. So. Uh, it's the first time the independence is really with uh, the owner and the ownership is um, complete. And it's important for these institutions not to, so we go back to, again, internet calling. Mm -hmm. Uh, If internet calling was uh, governed by the telecom companies, Mm. internet calling wouldn't have existed as an innovation. Right. Um, So it's very important to be aware that the regulator... Uh, of this of this space should not be the person that's potentially being disrupted. Right. Right. Because <laughs> they're sense. obviously going to have a bias. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, which which I, I assume that would be the biggest point of concern for a lot of these uh, 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 for regulation in general. Right. Sure. Which is something that we could get into. I think that's kind of where the U.S. is right now uh, trying to figure out how to you utilize this as a technology and not be left behind, Yes, but at the same time not hurting the US dollar, uh, yep. which is a very complicated, uh, I, I try to wrap my head around that, but then you have to understand how the whole economy works. Yeah. You know? uh, let's go back to the story of Bitcoin. How did Bitcoin come to be? And was it the first ever crypto? Or was there a crypto before it? So there were a lot of... Uh solutions trying to solve the double spend problem. What's that? Uh, 
the one I explained earlier, yes. the double spend problem. Ah, the, the double spend. Yeah. Okay, my bad. So yeah. once that was, uh, and Bitcoin was the one that was able to bring three pillars of technologies really into one uh, solution, hmm. which is the blockchain, to uh, solve that problem. So it is the one that went mainstream past that. Um, there is now other texts being talked about, like distributed ledger technology, etc., and they're looking at it from a permission perspective within the realm of the current system. Mm. But again, uh, you really have to ask yourself, do you have a trust problem to do it on a blockchain from right. the beginning on a pr private blockchain? Because, gen so for example, if you wanted to exchange land, mm. do I have a problem with the Ministry of Housing in Oman? No, mm. I do trust them. So yeah. there's no trust problem to do that movement to a private blockchain. Right. But uh, when you do have a trust problem, when I am trading with someone I don't know in the States, mm -hmm. I do have a trust problem because I don't trust that. I'm not going to send him the money until he sends me the goods and he's not going to send me the goods till he sends, I send him the money. Right. So that's when you have a trust problem. And that's why these assets are useful or these networks are useful in a trust situation where you need technology to replace that trust. Yeah. Or bring forward that trust. What do you know about Satoshi? Uh, his name. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's it. it. Um, it's more of a code name, I believe. I yeah. don't think it's actually um, one person. I think it's it conventional wisdom is that this Japanese guy named Satoshi Nakamoto invented Bitcoin and wrote this white paper that d describes his vision of what Bitcoin would be. It's such a mythical, like, like it's a, the right <laughs> move. Uh, if you <laughs> ask me, it's the right move. Um, I'll give you an ex uh, uh, simile. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you know Napster. I, I, I know it's something that existed once upon yeah, a time. Yeah, so Napster <laughs> was a centralized server mm. where you could download music from. Mm, right, 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 uh, right. Pirated music. Yeah. And um, it was very easy for a government to go after them and yeah. shut them down. Uh, following that came out BitTorrent. Mm. And that, well, that's where Bitcoin comes from, the name. So Bitcoin comes from the name of BitTorrent as well, where it's a decentralized network. To the So if you own a file on your computer and 10 others own that same file and one person wants it, he can download it from all the computers that are all around the world. The cedars. The cedars, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And the same thing happened in the financial sector. If there was someone in the States who tried to launch Liberty Coin, hmm. um, so centralized, identified person, Right. And he was obviously jailed. So that didn't happen. Right. And Bitcoin comes as the decentralized equivalent of a currency, per se, uh, solving the double spend problem. Uh, I guess then it would make sense to have such a mythical, undetermined beginning. Considering the, where, the time when he launched it, uh, if he was identified, he would be in jail. Really? Yeah. Same path as Liberty. Liberty coin uh, issuer. Do, do you think we know, does this person, like, do we know who this person is? Because there are theories. There's lots of theories and I yeah. don't think it's relevant because he liberalized uh, the fact that people can now actually issue coins or tokens pertaining to themselves. So mm. influencers can issue coins or tokens pertaining to themselves and it can have a dollar value. Right. Previously, these assets could not be exchanged for actual currencies or fiat currencies. Wow. So now they, he liberalized that, that concept. Yeah. 
So I, I want to note for any audiences listening right now, if you have any questions regarding he, she, our... by the way. Uh, he, he or she, she the, uh, Satoshi. Yeah, that's true. Or they. We don't know. Yeah, exactly. They could be an entire <laughs> entire group of people. Um, for any of you listening, if you have any questions, you can go on our Instagram at omanfm.om. Hit us with a DM, and uh, hopefully we'll get to ask that question. In case we're missing something, because I know a little bit about uh, the blockchain and Bitcoin, and I'm hoping to learn more from these gentlemen here today. Um, but in case I miss something, because something might seem obvious to me, feel free to ask the question. We're going to go on a quick break, and we'll be back to talk more about how you started uh, Easy Coins. You're now tuning in to the nation station. You're listening to Ain't Nobody Listening. I'm your host, Abdullah Al-Ma'wali, and with me in the studio is His Highness Sayyid Azan bin Qais Al-Sa'id and Dr. Khalid Tahan, partners and co-founders of Easy Coins. Welcome. Thank you, Thanks for having us. Uh, so we, we couldn't speak about Bitcoin and not talk about mining. A lot of people hear mining. What does mining mean? Uh, well, mining is actually the, the backbone of the Bitcoin's blockchain. Um, so it wouldn't be decentralized without uh, the mining equipment and the mining machines. Okay. Um, so that's what allows it to be decentralized in the sense that anybody anywhere in the world with an internet connection and a power supply can hook up a mining machine which is going to uh, run a mathematical uh, equation or algorithm mm. um, which keeps the network alive. And in return, uh, they get Bitcoin. Mm. And that's what keeps the network in constant uh, perpetual motion. Okay, let me see if I can if I get this right. So you make a transaction on Bitcoin. In order for your transaction to be processed, it needs to go through these... Uh, Uh, GPUs, these machines that do those calculations, which takes a lot of power and... Uh the, yeah, the, the, the power is one thing. I mean, the, the amount of power needed has gone up over time as the mathematical equation gets harder. Right. And uh, the harder it gets is what keeps um, the network stable and secure. Okay. And hence, and hence uh, the more miners, the more people mining, um, the harder it is for the actual algorithm to be broken. Um, and uh, anything to be to be stolen. I mean, it's never happened actually on the blockchain mm -hmm. from the actual uh, decentralized technology. Whenever there's a hack, uh, it's more about um, information being leaked and a human error in that mm. sense. Right. So like phishing, for example. Almost, yeah. almost like that. The good simile would be the banking sector. So what is the banking sector? The uh -huh. banking sector is one, custody. They store for you your money. Right. And the second factor is it's a ledger or a book mm. on which you're recording a buy who owes what. So right. if I sent you 10 reals, someone is recording it in their books. It's like in a baqala, when you, when you go and uh, yeah. buy something, the, the person R writes, writes it in a it book. Keeping a, book. a record. Right. Except in, in, in cryptocurrency, on the blockchain, this record is public for everyone, correct? Yes. And what right. what the miners are doing are, are basically recording these transactions for people. So if I'm sending mm. you uh, Bitcoin, these miners, are their job is to record it on the blockchain. 
And for in order for them to record it, their their computer systems need to do these really heavy calculations. Yes, they solve a puzzle. They solve a puzzle. They solve a puzzle, and yeah. the puzzle fluctuates in difficulty as per the capacity of the network as it increases. So if it if the difficulty of the network increases, the puzzle gets harder to be solved, etc. So to average that, the puzzle is solved every 10 minutes on average in mm. Bitcoin. Um, there's other forms of uh, uh, decentralized consensus algorithms. This is what they call them. Proof of stake. Proof of stake is another <laughs> one, which Ethereum is yeah. diver- moving into. Yeah. Uh, and the one we just described is proof of work. Yeah. Really, the only one that's yeah. proven so far is proof of work, to be frank. Ethe- uh, proof of stake is to be proven. Okay. And uh, Ethereum is leading that way. Is Ethereum leading that way? Why does it seem to me like these other uh, small cap uh, coins are leading the way? Ethereum is so there still are, far off. Sure. So yeah. there are smaller caps that are leading in proof of stake. Like Solana, for example. I would agree. Yeah. I'd uh, stand corrected. <laughs> uh, however, Ethereum is the from the perspective of a network that's of scale. Right. Uh, trying to transition into that environment is what Ethereum is leading. How do you move to a scalable proof of stake with all the current proof of work information being merged into it. Yeah. Uh, so to me, that is quite significant because uh, history is very important in these spaces. So the length of the ledger mm. plays its part. Uh, fresher ledgers don't really, you can always replace a fresh small ledger and corrupt a small ledger. I, I, I I definitely want to go into what Ethereum is doing as opposed to Bitcoin, but I, I promised people earlier that we're going to talk about EasyCoin. So let's let's talk about that real quick. Sure. When, when did uh, when did you guys found EasyCoins? So our journey actually starts way back uh, around 2015. Mm. Um, we've raised a letter to officials here, highlighting that we feel this tech. Uh, is disruptive. Mm-hmm. Uh, we feel there's opportunities in this space. And uh, we were trying to explore how to bring it into the system. Um, sadly, time has passed and uh, there there has been a lot of give and take on this topic. Mm-hmm. And uh, sadly, we were not getting to decisions. Well, what was your proposition? What's the... So the proposition was foundational to start with. You need these tokens. So they are the internet of value, i.e. exchange of value. So for anyone to be able to uh, build a solution to exchange property, to exchange cars, to exchange... I think it was relevant uh, to introduce Ethereum before we talk about yeah. um, the, oh, yeah? the value behind what easy coins Perfect. can bring. Yeah. Um, so just just to cut, I mean... Uh, Ethereum and smart contracts. Yes. So building smart contracts in Ethereum. However, you cannot run a smart co- smart contract without having a certain amount of Ethereum to, to put into the contract to make it work. Mm-hmm. What is a smart contract? A smart contract, it's, um, it's a bunch of code yeah. that um, allows... Basically, that allows a transaction or a uh, an agreement between two or three parties to uh, happen flawlessly uh, in a trust system. So it's a what-if statement, right? In coding language. So, um, um, no, if-then, sorry, an if-then statement. Yes. So, so if this happens, then that automatically happens. Yes. Uh, hence it being... To put a, very simply. Right? Yeah. Is, is that a fair way of looking yeah. at it? Yeah. Okay. Hello. All right. 
Um, and so then moving back to easy coins um, to enable the the you know such communities and developments yes yeah, so uh, we tried in multiple paths um, trust me we tried multiple paths but uh, uh, we saw that uh, it's it's just uh, difficult uh, so what we did was uh, we actually studied the system uh, we used we so we can disclose this because easy coins has completed a six-month trial okay But this was our business advantage or strategic advantage where we evaluated the laws. The laws uh, state that cryptocurrency is, this is written law, Mm -hmm. is not recognized as a legal tender or as a means of payment. Okay. So effectively, when that is written in law, Mm. so certain regulators do not have jurisdiction over this. Okay. Mm -hmm. So... And if you look at the bigger picture, there's no definition in the country. So because of that, we self-defined as digital goods and we brought forward a compliance model from the, that's recognized by the Central Bank of the Netherlands okay. uh, and implemented it into our, population, uh, our operation. So we self-governed, self-defined and launched a trial. So again, what what have you self-defined that as? As digital goods. As digital goods. So it's okay. what what differentiates a Bitcoin from buying a top-up card for Apple iTunes? Huh. So you, you, it's a very gray area. Interesting. Well, or something on the PlayStation Store, exactly, for example. Yeah. Ah, okay. Interesting. <coughs> so that was our, uh, our legal research, per yeah. se. Yeah. And we decided to launch the six-month trial. Um, the six months trial was very useful mm-hmm. uh, for starters it showed us that there is a market mm-hmm. um, there are people trying to build solutions there are trying people trying to use it as payments even though it's not recognized as payments there are people that are trying to use it for speculation and there are people trying to use it for investments mm-hmm. um, furthermore uh, we broke even in four months so for a startup that's quite significant congratulations which highlights thank you so yeah. it highlights the the value proposition is there and uh, further the most important thing is anything pertaining the compliance side mm-hmm. which the system we applied from the Netherlands that data is on the ground in Oman so should there be anything being used for illicit activity it's being detected I see so and accessible so that's the most important part that it's accessible within the country but if you're sending money to an exchange abroad obviously that data they don't know uh, locally nobody knows what is this money being used for it is it or good Um, and that's the value proposition that we see that such a platform in Oman brings the data to the to the ground and so it's a value to be here Um, Furthermore, there's uh, there's progress now, uh, so we know that uh, this this space is not going to be illegalized. Uh, right. That's become clear, and uh, there will be a governor for it. Uh, I won't disclose because we just found out recently, and we'll leave it to them to disclose it when they're ready. However, what does uh, a governor mean? So a regulator. Oh, I see. I and see. Uh, but we can say it's not going to be the central bank. Okay, <coughs> that is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a different approach, I think, than what the uh, the U.S. is trying to take. Uh, the U.S. is uh, still trying because the U.S. is dug deeper. Mm. Uh, they've realized that some of these tokens represent security. So the SEC is trying to take it, but yeah. they've noticed some tokens don't represent securities. Mm. Um, so they're still trying to dig deeper into the matter. 
but uh, Bahrain, for example, it is the central bank. So every jurisdiction obviously takes it forward in the most suitable way for them. I don't know if you realize how important this is for for people like me who invest in crypto. Are you telling me that there, I should not be worried that uh, I, I am committing an illegal activity by buying and selling crypto? So as it's, of, it's not an illegal activity. It's not an illegal activity. Okay. Uh, the, the thing is, when you invest in crypto, you're not just looking about just today and tomorrow, but you're looking 20 years down the line. Yes. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to highlight that this is just bigger than just crypto. Yeah. Um, innovation in Oman to, to happen mm-hmm. uh, needs to skip the topic of something new is illegalized. Right. Okay. Everything is legal. There's nobody saying crypto was illegal. They're saying, everyone is saying with their loud voices, and I agree with it, it's mm-hmm. high risk. Mm-hmm. And you should apply risk management on it. Yeah. And that's that's for sure. Mm-hmm. But nobody said it's illegal. So there shouldn't be any fear from it. Uh, when it becomes, if it became illegal, then fine. Everyone just stops dealing with it. But it, as long as it's not there... Mm. Uh, I don't see why be, be scared of it. I don't even see how you can uh, make it illegal. It's like it's something that you can't get rid of, right? I mean, once you own it, it's out there. It's 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 circulating. It's in the blockchain. So no one can shut it down, really. Um, Isn't that like the one of the the highlights of cryptocurrency? So I won't. Uh, I think there are ways. Uh, however. Thank God we're not in, we're not in that uh, we're not in a space that's going to be legalizing it. So maybe we don't need to touch base on that. <laughs> what is your role exactly, Dr. Khaled, in Easy Coins? What exactly do you do, and what do you think about on a regular basis? So most of what we're thinking about is expansion. We've uh, so a lot of people are re- requesting more coins. People are requesting a mobile application. People are requesting more features. Yeah. But the reality is, we did not know before maybe two weeks ago mm-hmm. that this space is legal or going to be legal or illegal in Oman. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to be putting an extensive amount of capex on something that's potentially going to be shut down. Maybe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the idea was to bring it to life uh, in the most uh, lean possible way mm-hmm. uh, from a financial perspective, and. Uh, Once it proves its value, not just as a business, but its extra value, i.e. the data, etc., everything we touched base on earlier, it will flourish. So we can expand it further. Mm -hmm. And that's the idea now. Uh, EasyCoins is a non-custodial broker. Uh, Now that there will be a definition of virtual assets in the country... Uh, we are looking a non-custodial broker. You you, know, you can't throw a line like that. <laughs> oh, okay. expecting yeah. not to ask well, actually, it, it might be worth looking into the difference between uh, custodial and non-custodial. And yeah. uh, one of the things that really highlights not your us. keys, not your Bitcoin. Precisely. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Precisely. Could you explain that a little bit? Yeah. Um, basically, the idea is that all the hacks that you hear yeah. happen at the exchange level. Okay. So it's just like a honeypot when you. When you, if if you're a hacker, if I can hack hack a bank, mm. it's like one attack, big reward. I can rob a bunch of people who have pooled their money there. Right. It's the same concept with crypto. If you've pooled your holdings into an exchange, if I can compromise the security of that exchange, mm. I can get everyone's crypto or everyone's keys at least. <laughs> right. Um. Yeah. Or you, you get control of the keys. Uh, they don't have specific keys for each user. Oh, I see. It's a different model. But effectively, you're gaining access to their crypto. 
what we're doing is uh, a non-custodial model mm-hmm. whereby when you purchase, it's immediately sent to a wallet under your control only. What's a wallet? It's a a wallet place. is a... Digital wallet. It's a digital wallet where you store your crypto. It's uh, Technically, it's split into a private key and a public key. Right. A public key is equivalent to your bank account number. You can share it so that people can pay you into it. Yeah. A private key is equivalent to your signature where if you have that private key, you can tra- cash out from your account. Okay. So you need to protect your private key. So it's a place where you put your cryptocurrency and, and it's precisely a, and it, there's a, a long key that that uh, corresponds to that wallet the yeah the public key and public the private key, key is okay. equivalent to your signature and it's very important that and this is where the self-sovereignty of your assets comes into play mm-hmm. is when you are holding your own wallets under your own control and which is what you do I've been doing that since 2013 um, and, and, that's and that's what, what easy coins, coins enables. Yeah, and that's yeah. what yeah. yes yes uh, I, I don't Uh, mine, it's definitely under the exchange control, yeah. which uh, right now it's not concerning. But if I'm looking really long term, then it becomes uh, concerning, right? Especially as you grow your capital of over course. time. Um, how about you, Your Highness? What, how did? Um, what's your current role in the company? What does your day to day look like? Uh, well, specifically for Easy Coins, um, it's more from a uh, regulation point of view. So I I try to help it uh, with the different uh, governmental institutions uh, mm. to gain support and enablement. Uh, so one of the institutions that's been very helpful, and we've been engaging with them, is the Ministry of Transport, Communication, and IT. Mm-hmm. And uh, from day one, uh, when we launched the Easy Coins trial, they've been. Uh, Uh, very supportive uh, of our operation, and uh, especially in this transitional period. Um, so that's that's sort of my role um, uh, from 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 a enablement point of view. Right. Yep. Do you do you imagine we would get to a point anytime soon here in Oman where institutions uh, would uh, adopt Bitcoin or crypto in general? <coughs> Because we see a lot of banks and larger institutions abroad right now thinking that it's like Tesla, for example. But Elon Musk is a different case. Yeah. But I mean, companies in general realizing that this is an asset that we need to get a hold of. I know? mean, let's let's talk about banks uh, and, yeah. and you know how they could really uh, push um, the, the sector forward. I think uh, yeah. with, with custody services specifically and, and other 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 services. So we are we are trying to push. Uh, we are engaging with certain banks uh, here and currently. We've actually also looked at expansion beyond Oman now. Mm-hmm. So there we've we've been approached from governors in other GCC countries who are trying to facilitate us. Uh, nice. to, to set up uh, abroad, to migrate abroad, but we're looking at setting up a parallel entity rather than migrate. Okay. Um, but what, we're, what you can do, is, what, what things we're touching base on is EasyCoins is basically access to the, crypt, to the network so that you can actually innovate on them. Uh, we're also working on a second project called, which is a stable coin, which is pegging the Omani Real onto Ooh, the blockchain. Interesting. Yeah. Sorry, but uh, the idea behind that is uh, the w- whole world fears hyperdollarization. So well, what does that mean? Hyperdollarization is where the dollar takes over most of the fiat currencies. Hmm. Uh, so in the fiat world, in the real world, that's uh, it's trading up uh, as a number, but it's not every nation still has its currencies. But there is a component of year after year there is hyperdollarization happening. But in the crypt in the blockchain space, it is completely dollars. 
the dominant currency of the blockchain spaces on every blockchain is the dollars. No other, the, no other fiat currencies are there. So our perspective is to bring the Omani Real mm. onto every possible blockchain that is there, and it's there to be used should it be needed. So when we have a metaverse, um, it's you're going into a store in the metaverse, you're buying in Omani Reals if you're in Oman in the metaverse rather than the dollars. Right. So uh, an example of that would be uh, Tether, for example. That's tethered to the US dollar. Yes. Um, I, I don't, I, I'm not, excuse my ignorance on this, but from my understanding when it comes to the US and re- US regulation, that's when things get a little bit more complicated when they're dealing with these pegged uh, cryptocurrencies, correct? So their main concern is the pegging so yeah. how is is each do- uh, every e-real has to be represented by a, a, re, uh, a real real yes. a real real yes. the issue is when you have you create more coins than you actually precisely own yes precisely. The cash and that's where you need a regulator to make sure that that is happening so tether is not one-to-one right and that's the concern but then they'll make that case that we do need a little bit of access in the in case anything happens at least binance if i'm not mistaken does makes that case i'm not too sure of the case no. but uh from that stable coins perspective it's quite critical uh that the peg remains uh otherwise it's not really a stable coin why would i want to buy a omani real pegged uh cryptocurrency because uh, your neighbor might be building the next uh, next uh, game center in the metaverse and that's the currency they're going to accept or is it going to be the USD so it all depends it's it's all space that's out there to be had okay someone could build something in the metaverse uh, and also i mean if if you eventually you want to cash out into reals mm. um that's the halfway point so you can cash out into mm. e-reals it's the same thing how people yeah. cash out from exchanges into tether right. and then they think about it for a while and they maybe cash back in so it's it's lighter than actually cashing out into fiat and back in and and, and uh, also in the real world if you're not just looking at the digital world uh, you can do these settlements quite cheaper than uh, current infrastructure including oman net Okay, let's zoom out a little further. What is the problem that EasyCoins is trying to solve here? So EasyCoins by itself, so there's we have a mother company called Connected Chains. Mm-hmm. That's the one that's trying to create projects, one of which was EasyCoins. I see. Okay, EasyCoins is enablement or access to the crypto assets within the Sultanate to build solutions. We are not looking at investment. Obviously, there are people who use it as an investment, but we are looking at enablement, okay? Mm. To enable developers in Oman to access Ether, to build smart contracts and solutions on it. For artists to create NFTs. For artists to create NFTs. Okay. Um, Digital art. And then you have uh, the second project, which is the stablecoin, which which we believe can bring down, so we want to try a trial on this, um, just like we did with EasyCoins, where we believe it can bring down the cost of transacting in Oman, uh, and we also believe that it will enable the Oman Real on all these public blockchains in the metaverse when the metaverse comes. Yeah. And uh, we also have a project in uh, custody service. We're trying to bring a new form of banking. So just like there was banking, then there was Islamic banking. Right. There is crypto banking as a sector that could develop. Ooh, that's so, interesting. So we are looking at custody services so that banks can start custodying more than just fiat currencies. Yeah. They can start custodying anything that's tokenized, be it digital art, be it 
a car that's tokenized, be it a house that's tokenized, be it a Ethereum, be it a Bitcoin, whatever. Right. So you can start uh, tokenizing way more assets than just fiat money or so, um, at custody. So this is how I would like to transition to the next segment. We'll take and a break. And we're in mining. Forgot that too. And we're mining. <laughs> but that's uh, that's in oh, you're uh, in that, mining. That, yeah, that's outside Oman, but we're hoping to bring it into Oman. That would be a whole new industry. Mining is quite the industry. Mining is quite the industry, and uh, I think there is quite a bit of opportunity. It's being studied uh, locally, hmm. and uh, we hope the results will be there. We we again would be happy to bring part of the operation we have abroad which is in uzbekistan uh into the country and run it as a trial to prove its point just like easy coins did too i, I like how some countries got really creative with how they power their mining uh, operations you yep. got those who do it side of a mountain using streams so i'm guess i'm wondering what is the advantage that oman has for a mining uh There's uh, there's a couple of advantages. Yeah. Uh, we're looking at a very unique aspect that's being done somewhere else. Mm. Uh, but for now, it's still too early to, sure. to share. But sure. uh, effectively, uh, it's quite unique and it does... And it will be sustainable. Yeah. Uh, environmentally sustainable. Yeah. yeah. I, um, I, I want to transition into a more Ethereum. But, but I, I also want to state that if my understanding of this is correct... Bitcoin, at least in its current standing, serves as a great store of value. It's like gold. Uh, supply is fixed. It's never going to go over 21 million. But it's not the most functional thing in the world. It's, uh, you know, it's, it, it's uh, because of its nature, it, it doesn't work too well in being, um, uh, what's the word? Um, in being a utility, really. But that's where uh, Ethereum comes in to fill in that gap. Correct, uh, and and it to me, um, yeah. at least the way I see it, Ethereum is where I get excited about the technology of blockchain rather than the token the tokenomics of things, sure. rather than just um, you know the the store of value. It's like the technology. Just when I started understanding what the possibilities of the technology. That's when I got really excited. That's when I started looking more into Ethereum, into Solana, into Cardano, into all these other tokens that are trying to solve different problems. I'd love to talk about that after the break. Sure. All right. Oman FM, are you ready for more on the Nation Station? 90.4. And we're back from the break. You're listening to Ain't Nobody Listening on Oman FM. And today it's all about cryptocurrency. Yay, I've been looking forward to this day. Uh, with me, the founders and partners of Easy Coins. Um, so we got a bunch of questions, you guys. Uh, more questions than we've ever gotten, really. So I'm, uh, I was going to go in, in, in my rabbit hole of Ethereum and all that. We'll get to that. But for now, I, I want to stop and ask some of these questions here. Um, one of the questions is, will the banks of Oman enable to buy cryptocurrency directly from worldwide exchanges such as Binance or Crypto.com? So um, I'm assuming when things mature and as we mentioned, the key value proposition of EasyCoins was the data is local. Mm. So if there is any bad activity, it can be detected. If Crypto.com is exchanging data with Uh, the governor is here, then yes, why not? Right. But as long as a bank in Oman does not know where that money is going, if it's going to be used for good or evil, um, 
I don't blame them. They they still don't have that data. Yeah. But uh, same thing with Binance. Um, it's it's just a matter of time. I think it will happen. But once that uh, infrastructure is in place of for the exchange of information. Mm. Uh, but that's not there yet. And Binance, let's be clear, Binance has not been, it's not in the best of lists from a global perspective because it was uh, not uh, not complying with these measures that are required to ensure safety. Yeah. And that's that's the reason. But I, I'm. it's now currently setting up ship in, uh, I think, initial days in Bahrain or UAE. Right. So things can change for them uh, with time. And... That's that's the whole idea. It's just uh, we. It is. It's not information. Uh, information can be dangerous or good, but right. financial assets can be dangerous and good also. It's just like anything else. So the measures need to be in place. Uh, there is a question here, and I don't know if this question. Um, I don't know if it's a fair question or not. Uh, why do you think banks do not like crypto in general? As we heard and told by Omani banks call center representatives first of all i don't know if that's actually true is it true so i have had bank transfers uh, rejected towards exchanges yes um mm-hmm. so yes that does exist uh but again it's back to the same point yeah. uh, they don't have the data uh as long as the data is accessible to them uh they can but if as long as the data is not accessible to them i don't blame them Right. So I guess this falls under the same thing. What and how does the central bank uh, think of cryptocurrency here in Oman? So cryptocurrency, as we touched base yeah. earlier, uh, the central bank is not going to be the governor of cryptocurrency. Hmm. Uh, so yeah. I don't think it's significant as a question because it's, they're not right. going to be the governors. All right. So I'm going to go through. But, so, they, they, but they do. They have put out circulars. Sorry about this. But they have put out yeah. circulars about its high risk, which we... Uh, we, we agree. We, we agree with totally. fully. Yes, a hundred percent. I, uh, per, from a personal standpoint, I agree, uh, in, in short term basis, because I wouldn't be in this industry if I didn't think like there's a very high likelihood that in the long term, uh, I'll get a return on my investment. Not financial advice. If you're just tuning in, this is only my own personal opinion. Do your own research and all that stuff. We didn't comment. You didn't comment. It's all me. Um, the most asked question here, it just keeps coming up. When will EasyCoin be back working? So as we mentioned, uh, there's a transition now. Uh, we were an operator of a digital goods service, mm-hmm. uh, but a definition is coming into the country for these assets. So mm-hmm. uh, what we're doing is we're working into fitting into that reg- uh, new definition. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, we don't think we'll have much work to do to do that because we are already quite stringent with our measures uh, and we are following this principle from the Netherlands. So I don't think there will be much. Uh, we're just waiting on that governor to be ready and we will cut, we will be back in action, hopefully. Uh, this... Um, this um user here says i have one question would getting into bitcoin somewhat like getting into gambling because you're buying into something and you have to wait for it to reach peak so you can sell it off and gain financially um and she says she prefaces and says it's a silly question sorry (laughs) (laughs) no um i would agree that Mm. uh you can you can say the same thing about the stock market yes you could be gambling in the stock market Uh, so it all depends on what's your approach, yeah. what are you doing with these investments that you're doing, and what's your risk management. If you're a gambler, then yeah, sure, you could gamble too. But uh, it all depends on what you're doing. What is your intentions 
of buying these assets right. and your risk management. So gambling, in my opinion, is irresponsible behavior. So mm-hmm. you could go irresponsibly crazy. What, did, what would constitute gambling <laughs> uh, in this space? What would gambling look like? Gambling would look like someone taking uh, 50% of his net worth and putting it into this thinking he's going to get rich. A speculation. Speculation. Yeah. Right. Um, now, if I'm not mistaken, you guys have an announcement to make. Is that too early? No, we don't really have an announcement. We've touched base on the topics that we've mentioned really? what needs to be mentioned. Oh, I misunderstood when you yeah. said exclusives. I was like, ah, it's already it's, been, it's already out there. <laughs> One of the big things, just to recap, is the e-real, which we, we've been talking about. The, yeah. the? the digital real. Digital, oh, that's the one. Yes. yes. Ah, where was the build-up? <laughs> <laughs> okay, awesome. So, so now let's go back to the difference between Bitcoin, Ethereum, and uh, alts in general. We spoke about this a little bit, but uh, we were saying earlier that what, at least what excites me about the <coughs> crypto space is the technology more than just it being a store of value or asset like Bitcoin. Now, Ethereum came in to solve this problem. How, how did Ethereum go about doing that? Well, I mean, first of all, um, the one similarity between Ethereum and Bitcoin is they're both coins. Right. So you have coins and tokens. Right. Um, coins can be mined, tokens cannot. Uh, tokens are defined um, on the blockchain of a coin. So, for example, Ethereum has, there are many tokens on the Ethereum network. Uh, what define the parameter of those tokens are the smart contracts. Hmm. Um, and hence, Ethereum being uh, famous for smart contracts. Yeah. Um, and so when people are looking uh, you know, at uh, different uh, digital assets, different currencies, they should always try to distinguish whether they're looking at a coin or a token. Mm-hmm. Um, that's important for many reasons. Um, uh, specifically speaking, let's say for the, the uh, cap or the amount of tokens there are, mm-hmm. um, that will always be listed on the smart contract. And so when someone's doing their research, they should always uh, look into smart contracts, white papers, uh, and really read the fine print. Because um, tokens uh, are much easier to make. Uh, You can create your own token in about five or ten minutes. And um, there is room for uh, a malicious structure in in that token in the sense of um, the the amount of tokens, uh, as I said. Right. Um, how do how does Ethereum go about um, utilizing these smart contracts? So I'm familiar with concepts like DApps, for example, yes. what, uh, and uh, uh, decentralized exchanges. Um, yeah. Could you explain some of these words to me that people come across over and over when they search cryptocurrencies? So yeah, so these DApps, uh, decentralized exchanges, um, even NFTs, they all need Ethereum to function. Uh, so without Ethereum, uh, you can't perform um, uh, functions on, on, on those specific platforms. Uh, Ethereum only, but there are other... Uh... No, but what, he's, what His Highness is highlighting is, so there's always this debate, is it a currency? Right. Right? So yeah. everyone it's more says, like a fuel. Yeah, but people are saying, mm. is it a currency? But And the problem with the currency t- debate is, on Ethereum's network, the only way to pay... For a to engage in a smart contract is Ethereum. Yeah, ETH. So it, it ETH. So yeah. it is a currency because on that network there is no other means of payment. Right. Okay. So okay. it's it, that's why I highlight. People say, sure, if I'm going to Oman UAE exchange, for example, right, and I wanted to exchange dollars for euros, and I wanted to pay in ETH, 
there are better ways to pay, <laughs> right? But <laughs> when I'm doing it on a decentralized exchange, <laughs> if I wanted to change from one token to another, say <laughs> dollar and ETH and euros, the only way I can pay on the Ethereum network is ETH. Right. So that's why I say it is a means of payments. It is a means of payments, but um, your so, highness, so, you're so saying it's only ETH, but there are other ecosystems. There as are well. other coins that have tokens. Yeah. Um, but Ethereum is the uh, one with the most attraction or mm-hmm. the, the, the biggest one, you could say. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, what are some examples of dApps? Dapps are short for decentralized apps. App- applications. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, what are some examples of dApps that you would find in Ethereum? I mean, there's there's a plethora of them. Um, Uniswap, some, yeah, Uniswap, for example. So swapping <laughs> swapping coins. This has become a very accessible uh, way for users to, uh, ga- you know, uh, game and uh, gain tokens uh, from the Ethereum network. Okay. Um, many different ones. It's very similar to a decentralized exchange, but it's even more accessible right. in the sense where the swap can be directly uh, built into some wallet apps as mm-hmm. well. And Yearn uh, Finance is uh, basically. Another uh, platform that gives you... Could you say that again? Yearn Finance. Yearn. is an Ethereum-based... What's it called? Um, It gives you yield on your your assets. So different assets gain different yields, percentages, depending on uh, the the contract uh, that they're deploying to to create yield for you. Mm -hmm. The thing that really excites me when I look at the future of cryptocurrencies is how it interacts with the real world. Right now, it seems like everything that happens in the the cryptoverse is within the cryptoverse, right? Uh, I'm yet to see real examples of it transferring to the real world. For example, uh, and, uh, and this is an example that's been used a lot in the, the crypto world. It's um, uh, insurance, mm-hmm. right? So that you could create a smart contract where, uh, let's say you go, you have an accident. The, the data is gathered from uh, the police station. This is an example. And then automatically fund, refunds you back the money without any humans getting involved. Of course, yeah. But it's, this is the stuff that gets me. Like, this is a real technology that we... Because, that, yeah. because that's vision, right? Mm. What you're describing now, yeah. that literal example, say, let's simplify it. You have a flight, you have an insurance on it, and it was delayed or canceled. Perfect. And you currently, if you wanted to claim your insurance on that, you have multiple middlemen (laughs) to deal with to get to your claim. Yeah, it's a pain. So the the holdback is the fact that there are middlemen who are trying to defend their industry. Right. Okay, but technologically, it is way faster because you can use... uh, oracles to give you the data of the flight being delayed or canceled mm-hmm. and you can automatically by a smart contract issue the payment out so an oracle is uh, a system <coughs> that gathers data from real world places from real world into the blockchain and Chainlink is one of those companies gonna, that does that yeah i'm a big fan of Chainlink. Yeah. not financial advice i keep saying that. <laughs> <laughs> okay um where do you see us, Arman, in five years in regards to cryptocurrencies? So, personally, I'm happy. I think Easy Coins accomplished its job. Mm. Uh, we were worried that crypto might be illegalized. Yeah, uh, and we're happy to see that uh, it's uh, going to be in a proper framework, and it has a governor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we salute that. Uh, we salute the system for doing that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we hope uh, it's much more positive news with time. Um, yeah, this is also, just a stepping stone and there's yeah. so much more ahead. 
I think also it's worth mentioning, I mean, if you're looking at a five-year timeline, we don't want to forget um, about the local or the in-country value uh, perspective. And that's something that EasyCoins, uh, as Dr. Khaled mentioned, um, re- retaining data locally, uh, transaction data for the good of the system. Um, so with uh, platforms like EasyCoins or, you know, local or even regional platforms that are cooperative within the legal local framework, uh, within a five-year uh, time frame, uh, it could become something that's much more commonplace mm-hmm. um, without uh, forgetting about local uh, value, right. which, is, which is where we see EasyCoins building that bridge, yeah. uh, not only for ourselves, but for, for, to create for other pl- platforms. Right. Venezuela has been quite an interesting case <coughs> this year. So for those who don't know, Venezuela has, uh, has decided... Uh, El Salvador, actually, not, not, not Is Venezuela. It? El Salvador. El Salvador. El Salvador? Yes. Oh, my bad. I'm sorry. El Salvador. If Venezuela did it, it would help them out. (laughs) But El Salvador, not so much. No, well, I mean, they're they're quite different. I mean, I I looked at the price action when that happened officially. Nothing much happened. If anything, it tanked. (laughs) So so I don't think it had that much uh, of an impact on the actual uh, price action. But That's why it's it's important to note. It's, It's not about the price. Yeah. It's about... The fact that now, somewhere around the world, mm. Bitcoin has become a legal tender. A legal tender. So it's basically, irrespective of price. Yeah. And a legal tender <coughs> is when a country accepts Bitcoin as its official payment. Yes. What are your thoughts on that? This is fascinating. It's like um, a live um, case study for us to look at. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it, it's a case study, basically. It is, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The whole world, I think, is looking at it. Uh, it's, uh, I think it's uh, early. Uh, however, as long as the Lightning Network, specifically on Bitcoin, uh, matures, and I think Twitter is doing a big job in that. What's the Lightning Network? So the Lightning Network is a second layer solution which enables settlement of crypto of Bitcoin. Yeah. Uh, with way cheaper transaction fees. So and way faster. And way faster. And way faster. Yeah. Because so the, what's the issue with Bitcoin? The issue with Bitcoin and Ethereum and nearly every bo- blockchain so far, yeah, uh, with exceptions, uh, is scalability and cost per transaction. Right. To do the settlement. Right. So. Um, that is being solved by layer two solutions. Mm. Uh, and on Ethereum, there's rollups. Uh, on Bitcoin, there's Lightning Network. Wrapped yeah. <laughs> uh, Ether as well. Yeah, wrapped uh, wrapped uh, BTC. No, uh, for for Ethereum. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what that is. It's, it's just it's a, a second layer. Yeah, uh. it's, it's it's a token on another net chain. You can represent it on another chain to do other transactions with it. Because right now, the way Bitcoin stands, it's not very efficient in transacting. It has very limited block sizes, and it's slow, and it's expensive. And then Ethereum just got way more expensive over time with its... And bur- they, all, they all will be without the layer two solutions. So scalability comes on layer two. And then, but there are tokens that are trying to solve for that problem, uh, notably Cardano. Uh, how much do you know about that? I'm not a, so I look at things in sectors okay. um, from a store of value pers- narrative. So it's very important to note that Bitcoin is trying to become a store of value, but it has not become a store of value. That's the risk, right? It could become, but it has not done that. It, so far, it's only performing like a high risk asset, i.e. like stocks. Right, it's not it's not performing as a store of value. It's not a risk off asset. People are not moving to it when there's risk. Right. Okay. So that's very important to note. Uh, so you are assuming that it's trying to become a store of value. Mm. Um, 
the only competitor to that is Ethereum from that use or that that uh, what it's trying to be. The, the only store of value? Ethereum is a, I feel, far contender, but it is the contender in that topic. I would have never imagined Ethereum <laughs> to be a contender for a store of value. With their changes where they're now reducing their, uh, their burning ETH with time, uh, mm. it is... Uh, It is, it is a contender. It's moving towards that. Yeah, but it's not... Uh, so it's the only one that is close, but that's not very close either. So yeah. that's from a uh, from the store of value narrative. Yeah. The second perspective is the smart chain network of the world. Uh, so the smart contract chain. Okay. ETH led that. Uh, now you have competitors. Okay, uh, some of which are second layer, some of which are first layer, and you don't know which one will win. Hmm. So from that narrative, Ethereum has a competitor. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's the same thing again when we go back to the dot-com bubble that we mentioned. There were lots of companies. Everyone wanted to link their dot-com on their company name. And then there was a crash and only a few survived. Which begs the question, are we in a bubble? very possible as as long as there's extensive hype there's always risk of a bubble because nfts definitely <coughs> look like a bubble to me you know when when things start costing all that, uh, that much for nothing in my opinion then it just looks like it's not going to end well yeah well <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's just the same as if you remember when the internet came there was the one million dollar website I don't know if you've heard of it. No. It was someone who split up a website into one million pixels oh, and started wow. selling each pixel for a dollar. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, but have you heard of it? You haven't. It's no. because it died away. It was a bubble. It did, just did happened. Did he make the million? Yeah, he, it's instantly. Sherda. Very quickly. <laughs> um, yeah. But it was a, it was a, it was hyped. Everyone wanted to put their brand onto that page. Mm. And that was it. Yeah. But uh, you haven't heard of it now. No. But so the quest. So there are certain things that will be just hype driven. Yeah. Um, but it's important to note that this tech. What does it enable? So again, putting aside all the yeah. hype, uh, NFTs enables creators, be it music, be it art, to now sell their products instant to customer without a middleman so there's no need for a studio in the middle taking high margins of their productions mm. uh, they can do that directly so it's mostly of value to influencers or creators mm. who want to create uh, things that are in demand so if nike creates uh, a rare uh, trainers in the real world one of 300 say for example And then they created a digital form of it uh, and only 300 people own it and your Fortnite character can now wear them during the game. Hmm. You're unique. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things that I find, um, we, we should note that you, you don't, you're not sick, sick, like you don't have COVID. No, no. <laughs> I'm all good. Yeah. But just for those who are listening, it's like, is this guy okay? He's okay. He's fine. We spoke about it earlier. Yeah, he's all right. Um, The thing that I find really interesting about NFTs, and I, I think this would, in my opinion, revolutionize how art and different uh, uh, unique assets are sold, is 
let's say I'm an artist and I create an art piece and I sell this art piece for a hundred reals. Once I get paid my hundred reals, خلاص, whatever that art piece does in the world, it's its own. I have no, خلاص, it's not connected to me anymore. Mm-hmm. What I love about the NFTs is you can get paid in perpetuity forever. Yes. Let's say I sell an art piece for a hundred reals, and then if somebody buys it and then resells it, I get say five percent of what they sold, and yeah. then and if they sell it as well, I still get five percent of what they sold. And as this art piece becomes more and more valuable over time uh, you're, you're you getting, getting a cu- royalties forever yeah. Yeah. essentially yeah. really as long as you keep selling it and that's the power of the smart contract that, when I heard that blew my mind that, that changes a lot of things uh, yep. of how particularly art is dealt with art, music art and music Yeah. I have another idea, but we'll save it for another ah, time. Come on. <laughs> Ain't nobody listening, man. That's the name of the show. Because no one's listening, I'd rather not say. <laughs> <laughs> well, but according to all these questions we've been getting, like, um, I want to take a... Uh, here's another one. Um, compared to USD, do you think the cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin can be I- impacted by inflation? So, in, can be impacted by inflation. So, the idea is... Mm. That or the principle or what it what is agreed upon is that as inflation comes, uh, people are trying to retain value, right? Yeah. So their money is dropping in buying power. So people move into assets. Hmm. Uh, this could be government bonds. This could be stocks. This could be property. This could be yeah. crypto. They treat it And, like a hedge against uh, inflation. Or gold, yeah. yeah. So people have different views on what is a better store of value during an inflationary period because cash, as they say, sometimes becomes trash. Yeah. Okay? Pure during such times. Yeah. Um, an, an unfortunate example would be Lebanon in a recent uh, so, yeah, recent times. That's that's a complete uh, collapse of the financial system. Right. And uh, the reality is that if you uh, ran to your bank mm-hmm. to try and get your money out, you can't because banks do um, fractional reserve lending, where they only hold possibly ten percent of what they actually have as people's balances. Yeah. And uh, for that reason, if everyone runs to the bank at the same time, you will never have the right amount of money to be given to everyone. Hmm. Uh, same thing applies to exchanges, by the way, that are custodial. Right. Because when they're giving you uh, yield on assets in crypto exchanges, they are not. They are doing some components of fractional reserve lending there. I see. Okay, so it's that's important to be aware of. So there, if there is a run to an exchange, a custodial exchange, which does happen, in which does happen, prices and uh, yeah. uh, <coughs> well, apparently Robinhood. That's not what they were doing when they when they shut off with the GameStop thing. Remember, no, GameStop remember? was <laughs> class. <laughs> oh my God, I, I still I don't know if it will make a comeback. I'm not into that into hype uh, hype stocks. Uh, yeah, but uh, it was it was it was very nice to see the Reddit crew playing the system to their advantage Which, I have to say it was very impressive a nod to the to the Reddit community I think they play an inc- uh, incredibly large role in cryptocurrencies as well right yeah there's Reddit's crypto Twitter and other forms of social media right uh, do you stay up to date with what's happening with other cryptocurrencies other alt uh, altcoins <coughs> what kind of technology or what ty- kind of solutions they're trying to bring what kind of problems they're trying to solve so we from that perspective yes we do keep track on the tech stuff yeah uh, we don't 
So it's not as um, overwhelming as someone who's trying to invest in all these assets and mm. all these different tokens. So we look at the tech only, not really the value of the token. Yeah. And uh, we look at what can be done or problems that can be solved to our advantage. So we, for, so our crypto real, for example, even though I I like Bitcoin, mm. I'm not building it on Bitcoin. So yeah. it's because we we've studied the technology, we've found out for this use case, there is a better settlement yeah. network. Yeah, we'll go on a quick break and we'll be <coughs> right back. Nobody listening. Ain't nobody listening. Ain't nobody listening. You're listening to Ain't Nobody Listening on Oman FM 90.4. And with me in the studio is His Highness Sayyid Azan bin Qais Al Saeed and Dr. Khalid Tahan, founders, co founders and partners in easy coins. One thing that we didn't quite touch on is the difference between a centralized and a decentralized uh, exchange. Blockchain. Uh, blockchain. Yeah, blockchain. Because you'd assume if it's a blockchain, it's a blockchain, right? But not yeah. all blockchains are e equal. Exactly. What's the difference? Yes, thank you. Uh, great question. So not all blockchains are created equal. Um, they are centralized and decentralized. Mm. Um, the value of a decentralized blockchain um, is far greater than a centralized one in the sense of um, its distribution and uh, its security and the way it functions uh, for the purpose that it serves. Mm -hmm. So going back to a uh, decentralized model, uh, sorry, a centralized model, it... Um, it really diminishes the value proposition of building or, or putting in the effort to build such a system. Why um, does it diminish it? Well, it's, it's no different than uh, centralized servers um, mm. without blockchain. Right. Um, so it can be susceptible to a direct attack or, or a direct hack right. because it's uh, not distributed. Right. Um, so, I mean, we would urge any institution, business or entrepreneur who's looking into applying blockchain um, to really give a decentralized model a chance um, because that will be the... That will be your value proposition. Um, the, 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 that's, that's the value proposition. So, yeah. I mean, with, with these technologies, uh, you know, going into the fourth industrial revolution, we want to actually be on the functional side mm -hmm. as opposed to the side that uh, turns out to, to not be right. um, uh, functional or useful. Right. Uh, I think that's very important uh, here in Oman, especially mm. um, going into the next uh, decade. Um, Oman and His <coughs> His Majesty's uh, Vision 2040, specifically with diversifying the economy, mm -hmm. um, uh, national capacity building within scientific research. All of these uh, components um, fit much better with a decentralized blockchain model as opposed to a uh, centralized one. Right. And to touch base on that, um, it's very easy to do a permission blockchain because a permission blockchain, a, a private blockchain, oh, I see. Uh, not a decentralized one, a centralized one, mm. because it's uh, you can make it fit within the current regulations. Okay, but a decentralized one include needs changes to policy to come into play to enable them. Mm. So the innovation is going to be there, but uh, most of the centralized solutions are predominantly hype driven. It's just like the dot com bubble. We want to associate yeah. ourselves it's with a buzzword. blockchain. It's a buzzword. Yeah, I see. So uh, it's very 2017 permissioned or private blockchains, uh, centralized mm. blockchains, and the innovation is all going to happen on the public networks. 
Um, and that's where we say there's space for innovation and governance. There's mm. space for innovation and technology. And all of these sectors need to come into play at the same time to actually enable this to happen. So it's not the easier path. We have yeah. chosen the harder path. Yeah. But we believe in it, hence why we t- pursued it. Amazing. I, th- I think some strong advice as well. If anybody is approaching you to implement blockchain, there's two main questions. Uh-huh. One, is there a trust issue? As exactly. I said, if there's no trust issue, there's no need for blockchain. Mm. Two, is it centralized or decentralized? If somebody's trying to sell you a centralized solution, a centralized blockchain solution, um, uh, you should tell them to... Uh, you should really be questioning <laughs> you should their be authenticity. Question- <laughs> yeah, uh, you, you, should, you should tell them and really question uh, you know, their, their abilities. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we got a question. Yeah. Following recent news about crypto exchange Binance signs Dubai World Trade Center deal and a potential headquarters in the Gulf nation. So the question is, do you think any of the Gulf nations will consider a cryptocurrency <coughs> as a legal tender? Hmm. Um, I did not. Uh, I, I did throw that uh, prop- proposition in mm. back in the day, but uh, no, I did not see that uh, appeal uh over here uh and i don't think it's needed okay um because if you notice it is the countries or nations with unstable fiat currencies yeah. that they are already deleveraging onto the us dollar that so the central bank in that country loses has already lost control yeah okay um bitcoin brings back that control to their central bank how uh-huh. because even if they made it a legal tender mm-hmm. okay Who's in control of the dollar? It's not the central bank of El Salvador. Mm. It is the U.S. economy. Okay. But when you make Bitcoin legal tender, when your currency has collapsed, uh. it brings their sovereignty, their control back. So it's a tool that they're using to bring back control. Uh, I don't see any of the Gulf nations having that problem currently yeah. to be considering it. Their, sta- their fiat systems are stable. Uh, yeah. And it doesn't have to be legal tender for it to be yeah. introduced through exchanges. It can right. still remain on that digital level. Do you believe that Bitcoin, or uh, Bitcoin, I'd say specifically, could be a threat to the US dollar? Um, Because that is, the big, like, that is the big question on all these regulations in the US. And I feel like you, the, what the US does or what it decides to do will reflect around the world considering so, a lot of us are pegged as one can it i think it can but what's the percentage probability very low hmm. so can yes everyone is trying to compete so as i said on a blockchain space um we already have reached hyperdollarization mm-hmm. uh there are no other currencies uh floating on the blockchains it's only dollars being used Um, and we don't think that should be the case. We think all currencies should be landing on the blockchains. Yeah. And uh, we believe that uh, the US dollar should have its com- its competitors, just like the Chinese are trying to compete in the space uh, yeah. to, comp- to outthrone the dollar. I think everyone should have its role. Or I'm glad you brought up China, yeah. because then uh, why did China go ahead and ban it? So China is uh, launching a centralized, very monitored uh, uh, local currency hmm. uh, and a digital local currency, Yuan, I think it's called. Hmm. And effectively, even the states, the ones that are trying to protect the dollar, recognize the fact that it is very much a monitor monitoring tool. Right. Uh, it's, it's not really... 
beyond that. So they even the states are looking at public blockchain. So if you look at the uh, advisors that they have, Stellar Foundation is one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, USDC on Ethereum, so the circle are people that they're talking to. Okay. Uh, what what so, do they want to do? What is it that they want to so do? So they're because they're studying central bank digital currencies. Uh, so part of their advisors and committees that are they're discussing with. Uh, should they go forward this might never happen yeah is uh, public blockchain networks so what would that look like um, I think it would be more what problem does it solve yeah right yeah. so and that's their dilemma right now they're trying to see does it really solve a problem um, from our perspective we look at m2 money m2 money is money that's in circulation mm. in the banking sector and Uh, bringing that into the blockchain or the b- blockchain networks is of value. That's a new application, new utility for Omani Reals on a blockchain. Mm. So it's a completely new use case. Uh, M0 money, which is from a central bank to banks, uh, which is what a central bank digital currency would be. Okay. Um, th- there is a question, what value proposition does it solve? Because it's there, with the right technology, the centralized system works perfectly yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. And you don't have a trust issue. Because right. you trust the central bank. Exactly. Right. So, uh, so there is a question mark on its vi- value proposition right. uh, from, uh, from an M0 level money. But from an M2 moving into the blockchain space where it has a clear, useful use case, which is fighting hyper-dollarization on the blockchains. Hmm. Well, before we end this evening or this session, uh, anything else you'd like to add? Any caveats or notes or anything? Be careful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, In every space that's hyped up, there is risks and there is scammers. It's happened in 2017. It's happening again. Um, no, a, a monkey on a, a, a GIF of a monkey does not, is not worth $15,000. <laughs> yeah. uh, so uh, be realistic. Uh, this is not a get-rich-quick scheme. Yeah. Um, this is all about innovation. And if you do not have the skill sets for it, then leave it for the people who do. Why? Well, yeah. Yeah. And that just uh, do as much reading as you can. Yep. Engaging with the community online as well. I feel that. Nobody listening. Ain't nobody listening. Ain't nobody listening. Ain't nobody listening. Ain't nobody listening.